Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, and you're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast. Well, we're rolling into fall here on the Tour Coach. And for the fall, just like we've been doing for the last couple of years here on the Tour Coach, I'm going to be bringing you lots of chats, interviews, roundtable discussions on what we do, how we do it, from players to coaches to caddies, students. All of this comes from my travels that are on tour or to Old Palm or from here in Mobile or wherever it is I go around this country, or around the world, teaching and coaching at the game of golf that I love. So hopefully, if you listen, you're going to like what you hear. There's there's lots and lots of info and content coming your way that I think are going to help all of you understand and play the game even better or, or coach the game. We've got so many coaches that listen to this tour coach podcast. So appreciate all of you that have gone along with me on this journey for the tour coach. I didn't necessarily know where I was going with it when I started this, this when the Dew Sweepers radio show ended on XM Sirius. Uh, but I can tell you that it has given me so much freedom and creativity to be able to talk a little more and a little more in depth and bring all of you a behind the scenes, inside the ropes look at what me and my team do and the people that we associate with it and how you can use us as a resource to help you get better at the game of golf. Look, and if you like what you hear on the tour coach, also make sure you check out our pro work video series, which is available for you on YouTube and my YouTube channel. If you just go on YouTube and type in pro work, It'll pull up the episodes that are out there. Some really, really great stuff that takes you behind the scenes and inside the ropes. And before I let you go to the tour coach, special thanks to my sponsors that have all been with me for such a long time. Shrixon Golf, been with them over 20 years. Can't find anybody better in the equipment side of the world. Bushnell Golf, such a big part of what we're doing with pro work and what I do day to day, especially with the Launch Pro. Vineyard Vines, Ian and Shep, Amber and the folks there always keep me looking great. We've been such great partners for a good long time. And lastly, McConnell Automotive uh, here in Mobile, Alabama. Mitch McConnell and the gang, there's nobody that has supported me longer. I mean, they're unbelievable. And the folks at Buick GMC for supporting the Dew Sweepers radio show, as well as the tour coach, and as well as pro work. So check out McConnell Automotive and Buick GMC. And lastly, our, my friend Blaine Stokely and Stokely's Midtown Garden Express here in Mobile. Those folks keep the dew sweepers and keep the pro work and the tour coach and all of our content alive and well for all of you that love the game and want to learn. Enjoy the Tour Coach Podcast, which is coming your way right now. All right, so sitting in with me here at the end of Thanksgiving weekend here on the Tour Coach. It's been a minute uh, since I've had him on and uh, been a minute since I've, we've actually worked together, but he's going to be down hanging out with us uh just golly it's hard to believe that's just over a month though doc but uh at old palm dr scott lynn the resident uh smartest guy in the dew sweeper room (laughs) (laughs) i'm sitting here wrapping up thanksgiving weekend looking at a bottle of rum here down in the keys and uh but uh, anyways uh great to have you on looking forward to having you uh at old palm here just in january in fact we've had a couple people sign up because they're uh, uh, really interested in the biomechanics aspects of it. And um, I'll just uh, kind of introduce you briefly, although most people know we've worked together and such. But, you know, uh, I'm always trying to figure out why some things that I have a player might work or don't work or different things. And we met with uh, through Swing Catalyst, all the stuff you've done and part of them. And I've done some stuff. I obviously had a Swing Catalyst a long time. And one of the things I've always liked about the way we've worked together is uh, I tell people, you know, when I first started wanting to you know, know more about biomechanics, I'd go to some of these seminars and I'd sit there for an hour 
and you'd be I'd be like a glazed donut by the end, like everything just <laughs> sailing over. Uh, right. uh, but like, you know, you were able to take things that obviously can be technical and be complicated, but apply them in ways uh, that, that anybody can use and, and any teacher can use. And I think that's one of the points here for the folks listening is just just because you're doing some technical stuff doesn't mean it has to be complicated. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think that's why I enjoy working with, you know, the do sweepers because we get a bunch of people in the room. Nobody has an ego. We're all just trying to make people better, right? And um, it's been, I mean, I think what, what you do really well is you kind of bring people back to the middle because, um, you know, like I've studied a lot under Mike Adams and we've mm-hmm. worked together quite a bit on his different posting styles. And I know you're you're really big into the uh, into the pivot, right? Creating yeah, a pivot. Absolutely. And I think... Um, that's super important is getting people's pivot correct. Um, but I think, you know, it's possible to go too far in a good direction too. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, say identify somebody as being more of a left leg dom- dominant golfer, or a lead leg dominant golfer, and I give them some things that work, you know, in our little, you know, one hour session or whatever, they might go off and say, well, a little bit's good. So like a ton might, must be way better. Um, which <laughs> yeah. isn't always the case, right? Like, and, and I remember Mike Adams, um, uh, he told me I was more of a right leg dominant golfer. So I load more into my trail side and get a little more kind of horizontal motion coming into the golf ball. And he was the first golf teacher that told me that's okay. Like most golf teachers are like, no, don't sway off it. Like that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like that's a you know cardinal sin in golf. And he was like, no, you can do that. That's totally fun. So he gave me that. And I was like, and I was hitting it great. And I was like, perfect. So I went away and I overdid it a ton. Mm-hmm. And I was like, get way off of it and hit these big hooks and blocks. I went back to see Mike a couple of weeks later. And I was like, Mike, this thing you told me to do is not working. And I hit one shot. He's like, dude, one aspirin works. You don't take the whole fucking bottle. Right, right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. And I think, you know, there, there have been multiple cases, I think, where you and I have worked together with somebody, and maybe I give them something, and they go way too far one direction. You kind of bring them back. Uh, I'm thinking mostly of, um, what's his name, Nick in, uh, in, at uh, Hamilton Farm there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've tested him a bunch, and he's kind of, I think he's a little more lead side dominant, um, but I think he kind of overdid it for a bit, and you brought him back to the middle, and he had a great season this year, right? He, he really he did. Won. I mean, Nick played yeah. really, really well, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, such a good uh, club professional and a great teacher in his own right as well. And, and yeah, totally. you know, and, I, and that's, I've always, you know, I've always looked at the work we do for, like, you know, like, I like to take a player that, general a lot of times i'll send you stuff not when their person's hitting it bad but like say hey this this player this guy this girl's striping it hey help me understand more why they're why why this stuff that i'm doing is working right yeah exactly and i think a lot of it comes down to matchups um which i think you guys do very well is matching up kind of where the club is in space with how their lower body works and that's what i'm finding a lot with some of the work i'm doing now and it's interesting, a lot of it has stemmed from the work I'm doing in baseball. Because obviously in baseball, the ball moves around, right? The ball's right. Uh, high in the zone, low in the zone. And I've looked at a lot of good hitters and how they adapt to the ball in different places um, with their lower body is super interesting. And so we don't have to do that in golf, right? We can put the ball wherever the heck we want to put it. Um, and then we can put our hands wherever the heck we want to put them. And so I think that's what I've been doing quite a bit recently is instead of trying to change somebody's pivot or how they're using the ground, if they have really efficient lower body mechanics and they're creating some good forces, I just try to match the club up to be in the right position where those forces will actually work. Um, and like one example, we just had a, a little um, webinar deal we did with uh, Swing Catalyst and we had Jason Bale on there who's working now with with, uh, with Lucas. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Lucas, we know forever, right? He likes to hit a draw, yep. and he has a lot of that horizontal force, which is a shallower of the club, and he was getting it way too shallow. Um, and if that club gets too shallow for him, he doesn't have the torque or the rotational force to make that matchup work. So Jason actually is working to get him a little less shallow. He was saying he was hitting shallow fats, which are a very interesting problem, right? You don't see that mm-hmm. too often where a guy's super shallow and is still getting right. fat. Um, but that was that wasn't a good matchup when he kept going lateral and had that club super shallow. He didn't have the torque come from the ground to match it up, and he wasn't playing so well. And so Jason's actually, you know, the opposite problem of what you do with ninety percent of amateurs is he actually tried to steepen him out a little bit to get it to match up to what his lower body does really well. Um, and obviously he had some a lot of success last fall. So um, yeah, I think that that's kind of the thing that that I've been working on a lot recently and and having a lot of success with, which I think is super interesting. How do you go? So let's talk about, a, you know, because, look, we have tons of juniors that come to see us that come to yeah. my retreats that work with me, uh, young professionals um, and recreational golfers, a lot of recreational golfers. Like nobody ever comes to us and says, hey, I want to hit it shorter, right? Totally. And so, yeah. you know, I think that also that, like, everybody hears to me, like this gentleman was like, oh, I, you know, biomechanics, Scott Lynn, I just want to hit it further. Like they, that's like their buzzword, right? Biomechanics yeah. is about just hitting it further. But to me, right. it's not just always about hitting it further. I know we're going to talk not about that, but, yeah. but a lot of times it's about being more efficient, being able to, re- to get somebody to deliver the club the same way each time totally. or have more yeah. control over the club head so they can control the golf ball better. I mean, biomechanics is a lot of things. It's not just creating speed. I agree. Yeah. And like, I've worked a lot with that recently as well as, you know, getting, you know, path to be better. You know, you'll see those people that come in and I had a couple of good players that came in recently. Um, one of them being, uh, one of the girls on my wife's team, she's a college golfer and, and she came in with her path, like six, seven to the right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you can't play six, seven to the right. There's those blocks and hooks are going to come in there. Like that's just not a playable club path. Um, and so, yeah, we, we use some biomechanical techniques to get her path down to like two or so. Um, and, and, you know, the strikes were more solid. They were less kind of glancing blows on the golf ball. It wasn't curving as much. Um, so, yeah, th- there, it, it applies to every kind of aspect of, of movement. And, you know, even, you know, stuff that Joe Mayo is doing with Hovland on chipping, there's a lot of biomechanics associated with that, how he posts up through it and delivers that club. Um, you know, anytime you move that golf club, there's some biomechanics associated with it and we can get more efficient putting, chipping, all those things. So talk about first. So for some golfers that say, uh, you talked about fix somebody that was too in to out and obviously, yeah. you, you know, with that's generally speaking, better players, right? I mean, we don't get, yeah. Yeah. uh, but you do get some, but play a player that's too in to out and been struggling with that. And then let's do the flip side, you know, somebody that's too – because we've done this plenty, especially with some of our, you know, even some – we get a lot of lower handicaps where the club's just a little too steep coming out of the top. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, let's kind of go through those scenarios. Obviously, I do a lot to try to get fix the backswing and how they load first. Like, you know, yeah. I think the better the player, the sooner we can fix it going back. It, it seems to work better for me. But talk about yeah. your approach of how you kind of fix a couple of those path things with some of the things that you do. Well, in general, um, creating a little bit more load into the trail side and creating a little more lateral motion mm-hmm. is going to shallow the club out. Right. Um, and so you'll see that in Lucas Glover. You'll see that in a lot of people that – um, but it's not always the case. And that's the cool thing about biomechanics and, and, you know, actually working with human beings is 
I've seen the opposite. I've seen people that go mm-hmm. lateral and it cheapens it somehow. So um, there's so many variables that go into why a human moves the way they do and why they swing the club the way they do. I always say human beings are so messy. Um, but that is something that in general, I would say, um, if somebody's way over the top, getting them a little bit more turn behind it, a little bit more into their trail side and introducing that little bit of a lateral shift into the lead side um, should shallow it out and get them a little less out to in or a little less, you know, leftward swing direction for a right-handed player. Um, and then the opposite, I, I try to add torque to, or rotational force to, uh, to into out people. So generally that's the one you've seen me do that drill with the band, right? Where we attach yeah. it uh, to their lead hip and get them kind of clearing with their lead hip there. Um, that's one that I think is super important for, um, like I've learned a lot of that about that from baseball players because with mm-hmm. baseball, the ball's up in the air, right? Which they're already shallow. If the ball's like up at chest high, right? You got to be shallow to hit that thing. Cause if you're steep, you're not <laughs> going to get to it. So the, the plane, the plane of the thing has to be super shallow. And so, um, that's super important is getting those rotational forces happening. Um, and I think what I'm starting to learn now is cause I've seen a lot of bad players that, um, can put some good forces into the ground but it's them decelerating those forces and getting them into the club that's important. And so, you know, we've been talking with um, a lot of physical trainers about like deceleration type drills in the gym that are more important. So I think to me, that's something that, you know, for speed and for control, and this is what I'm learning from these baseball guys is the deceleration. Cause I've seen some really good baseball players that have these incredible deceleration patterns. And then, you know, there's some bad baseball players that can put a lot of forces in, but if you can't decelerate your body to get those forces into the club or the bat, um, then they're kind of useless to you. And I think that's where we get inefficiencies popping up and then we get injuries too. Because if you got a lot of force going in the system and you can't break it, um, parts of your body will start to break down. And that's kind of a hypothesis we're starting to look at. So like you go back to, um, you know, uh, somebody that's too steep out of the top. One thing yeah. I've found, and, and tell me if I'm, but like I think, you know, everybody, look, it doesn't take a lot to go through an Instagram and see a bunch of stuff where people are telling you to turn, right? I mean, yeah, and, you, sure. and to me, it seems like you get you, you, some of these folks, and a lot of them, to me, are good players, and they, they're just miffed that they can't, you know, they get a little too steep or whatever out of the top, yeah. and yeah. and is they're, they're trying to turn too soon out of the top. Like, don't understand that, you know, if you've made a good turn off it, there's got to be some shift. And, you know, yeah, that's one totally. of the things I've picked up with you. I know Mike uh, had the force pedal and, and did a lot with that. I use half a tennis ball because um, sure, they're just easier to find around, totally. right? But, uh, <laughs> and cheaper. And cheaper, yeah. and cheaper, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, those force pedals can break you. But, uh, yeah. but like, I think that's kind of a misunderstanding there is, like, people think you just, you know, have to turn out of the top but that's again where what you talked about just a minute ago about understanding the matchups like where you are you know i think that's one of the biggest things i've learned from you and also with colby working together one understanding how the body works and then understanding how these different matchups work like do you need more lateral do you need more rotary you know and and what's causing them to not be able to do it you know do the matchup correctly and i think the the deceleration pattern is huge for those people that are kind of turning too quickly out of their trail side and getting that club to steepen um, because to load into your trail side, like as you turn your pelvis on top of your trail side, you have to, there's a deceleration that ha- pattern that has to happen in your trail leg. And if that doesn't happen, you can kind of roll to the outside of your foot. And then I think that puts you in an unstable position that makes the transition really difficult. Um, and so, you know, we used to, 
you know, when people would roll the outside of their foot on the back, so we used to put one of those tennis balls or mm-hmm. we'd do something to kind of bank their foot in. Um, but the banking their foot in is more of a lateral kind of a fix. But if it's a rotational problem, then it didn't fix it. Because I've had some, you know, sometimes if we bank their foot in or have them, you know, just use that to fix them getting to the outside of their foot. And, and this is stuff we're learning now because we have our dual plates now for Swing Catalyst. So we have each foot on a separate plate. So you can see where the forces are kind of leaking out of the system. And, and that's what I'm really interested in. So um, a good fix for those people is you tell them to take the carpet under their right foot or the trail foot if they're a right-handed golfer right foot and try to twist it externally. So you're going to feel like you're trying to twist the mat um, with your right foot, but because there's friction between your foot and the mat, your foot's not going to turn. So if I twist my foot in the ground, that puts a good deceleration pattern into my uh, trail hip, which I think can make transition a lot easier. So uh, I've used that a bunch recently with some really good players and had some some good success. So I think rolling to the outside of your foot is not always the same problem because we see that a bunch, right? right. In the, on the pressure plate, you see the, you know, the outside of the foot or they lose the inside of the foot, they kind of roll to the outside. And to me, that's not a good move for anyone. I mean, maybe uh, we had a Josh Koch, one of the long drive guys on mm-hmm. our uh, Swing Catalyst thing recently. And he actually, we fixed that for him and it lost him some speed because, you know, um, long drive is a different thing than golf. Different right? animal, like, right. But getting, him getting to the outside of his foot allowed him to get his hand path way further out, right? Because obviously I can get my hands further away if I roll the outside of my foot. Mm-hmm. And he was athletic enough to recover and hit one at a six in the grid and, you know, make some money doing long drive. Um, but so that's interesting. Like, you know, but I would say most likely in golf, that's not a good thing. Like rolling to the outside and, of your foot. And don't you think, too, like with the growth and obviously the stuff where you have, you know, teachers teaching long drive guys. But like to me, they're not the same animal because like. You know, no, long drive not. is just about speed and how hard you can hit it, right? And so, like, yeah. to me, that goes beyond, like, you know, with we're, with a tour player or a, rec- a good player, we're trying to maximize speed but still maintain control. And there's a point yeah, where – Yeah, you still got to go find it, right? Yeah. Right, right. And there's, like, to me, it's like I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, like, you know, your job's to go figure out, like, at what point do I get going too fast and it diminishes, like – you know, like the benefit that I get for the little bit of distance I've picked up sure. isn't worth totally. isn't worth like the the accuracy Those two and the control. Ball, triple bogey misses. Yeah, no, I agree. Right? So, so do- I mean, it's always the and especially with the college players that I work with, that's always they always come in wanting more speed because everybody's looking for the you know one eighty five ball speed or one ninety ball speed and. Uh, yeah, there is a you know a point of diminishing returns, but I think you know that's where speed gains need to take a little bit of time. Because if you do take time with them, um, then you know maybe you can just add a little bit at a time, learn to control it, add a little bit more, learn to control it, add a little bit more, um, and that can be fine. Um, but yeah, it's long drive. I mean, long drive they have six balls, I believe, and if one of them gets within a hundred a hundred yard grid, you can be world champion. The other five could leave the planet. Um, <laughs> that's not golf, right? Right. (laughs) If you do that in regular golf, you're going to be a 40 handicap. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a different animal. And that's where I think, you know, I've worked with enough of those long drive guys, their golf swings and their long drive swings are not the same thing. Like if you watch Kyle Berkshire hit a golf swing, like where he's actually trying to play golf, it's not a long drive swing. They're, they're different things. You know, and I'd always said that too. I actually said that to, you know, to Bryson, I was walking with him at a live event. Yeah. You know, Andy was there, and we were talking about the days back when he was on the the Walker Trump with match. Robbie Shelton, yeah. right? And oh and, yeah, and, and he's hitting those little cuts, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, like, you know, I just said we've got talking about the kind of the journey he'd been on, and and you know, uh, and obviously had a bunch of success, but like, you know, I, I said, like, you know, 
the thing to me is he always had an extra gear back when he was coming out of college. Like, he totally. had, you know, he had his stock driver, but then yeah. he had this one where he could really let it fly and he kind of let the heel go more. And, you know, it was yeah. bit, obviously. But he great. would use it sparingly, right? On a wide open hole where if you miss it a little bit, whatever you punch right. out, you're still. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I worked with him back in the fall a little bit. Um, and it was the same thing. He said he hit it the best in 2018 before he went on that speed journey mm-hmm. when he won. He won in Detroit. He won the, a couple other tournaments. Um, and he made a funny comment. He said he, 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 put it, he hit it like shit when he won the U.S. Open. Um, he said he got a couple good lives in the rough, and he putted, like, really well. Other than that, like, he didn't, he didn't feel like he hit it that well. So, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting, you know, after he won that U.S. Open trying to bomb every, every hole. People thought that was the answer, and I think people are kind of backing off a hair from that um, well, now. And, and don't you think, too, like, I mean, it was a good lesson, too, I think, for a lot of people coming up. Uh, I mean, yeah. that, like, you know, the, one, there's a lot of different ways. Like, what, that quote you just said is, like, there's a lot of different ways to win a golf tournament, especially a major. And, totally. And, I mean, obviously, there's examples of, like, where the guy that won just striped the shit out of it all week, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you could go back to that wing foot, like, you know, I was working with Lucas at that point. Like, man, he striped the hell out of it that week, right? Yeah. But the fairways yeah. were so narrow. Like, yeah. striping it, did, I mean, you were still going to miss 50% of your fairways, even if you striped it. Yeah, so you might you as well know? be way 50 yards down. <laughs> right. But, like, <laughs> lag putting was such a big deal that week. Totally. Know? Yeah, no, it's it's a very interesting. And, I mean, you you look at some of the that Harmon guy winning the mm-hmm. British Open this year. And so, yeah, it's possible to win. I mean. Watch that guy hit it. It's not impressive, but you look at his scorecard every every week, and you're like, "Wow, that's pretty impressive." So, uh, lots of different ways to do it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the the advances in technology that are out there. Um, well, actually, before we do that, I want to talk about a little bit about you know. So you know, I remember one of the first times we I was doing something with you, and you're saying like you know from the research you had even people that would be more left side lead side dominant stack and tilty if you will just because people yeah. understand that like sure. th- they still had 60 percent pressure or behind more, the yeah. ball or more right yeah. and i think yeah. that that that's where i think like you know you you talked about like uh doing too much of a thing like i think that's an area where I call it more of a centered pivot, right? Sure. But but whereas like people think, oh, you know, I'm trending a little more to my lead side, and and a guy will do that. You may even get them centered up, and it's pretty good, sixty five percent, something like that. Sure. And and then they come back a month later, and they're eighty percent on the left, right? And they yeah, yeah they look totally. like their head's going to hit the ball on the downs on the back. So totally, and down. I think that. I mean, that's my hypothesis. I haven't measured them in a while, but that's my hypothesis. What happened with uh, Nick uh, Nick out in, in New Jersey there. Like, mm-hmm. we worked together two summers ago when, when we were out in Jersey at, at Hamilton Farm. And, you know, I told him, I think he was getting like 85 into his right side, which I thought was too much for him. And then we worked together and got him to about 70 and hitting it good. Then I imagine over the months and months of working on that, he probably went, you know, down to the sixties, sure. whatever, too much, and then you centered him up. Probably got him back to seventy, seventy-five. Played really well. Um, so I think it's always a game, and I think that's why, you know, when you go to tournaments, the, the coaches are there most weeks. Is those margins are so fine for a good player? Um, I remember I always tell people we were at the Players Championship in twenty eighteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was a year that uh, Fleetwood shot like nothing at the U.S. Open. So it was a few months before that, um, and he went on our plate and hit five wedges 
five six irons and five drivers and every single one was within one or two percent of the pressure shift to the trail side he was exactly the same every single time and that's why you know some people talk to us about our technology being a perfect flat lie you know there's no elements it's not really playing golf like why are we looking at our swings in these like indoor studios with and i was like well that's where you figure out what your stock is right and if mm-hmm. you don't know what your stock is, how do you adjust on the golf course so if, if your stock is different every little sw- every swing indoors on a perfect lie with no wind and no you know conditions and a perfect flat surface um how are you if, if your swing's different there then you go out on the golf course who knows what's gonna what's gonna come out but if you know what your stock is and then you go to the golf course and the ball's above your feet okay now we can adjust to that or the ball's below your feet or there's a little grass behind the ball or whatever it is um, so I think that's why it's important to do work indoors or like in a studio type environment or, you know, like in a bay in a perfect, because then you can, you can figure out what your stock is. And once you got that dialed, then figuring out how to adjust to conditions becomes a lot easier because you're adjusting from something. Um, but if everything's different in the bay, then who knows what's going to come I, out on the golf course. And, and I get people saying, you know, it's the deal about, cause nobody's more about going to watch them play and all of that stuff to me. Yeah. But I, I always I tell people all the time, I think one of the biggest things that, you know, I've had a swing catalyst forever, but at the time at the Country Club of Mobile, we didn't have our facility built and yeah. and I didn't have access to one all the time. But I wish during that stretch where Smiley played unbelievable golf for 18 yeah, months you could have measured that it. I yeah. would have had more data to be able for when the thing did get off the rails and yeah. we got to search in a little bit there was more data to be able to say, no, no, I mean, shit, this is what you were doing. Like, this is what your yeah. pivot was, right? And totally. uh, um, and him and I have talked about that recently, actually. Like, you know, I, I wish I'd have had that because I think it, you know, I think it would have helped. And, and you know, totally. that's helped me uh, as much with, like, with with really good players as anything is actually getting the data when they're playing good versus Perfect. when they're playing bad. Like, a lot of the stuff – to me, when you you and I sit there and we see somebody playing shitty, I mean, we kind of know <laughs> what it is. Right. You know what I'm you, saying? Like, but how it's got off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think that's good because, like, you obviously, when it, what went off the rails with Smiley, I know he was struggling so much and he was in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And, like, and you were going up there, well, maybe try this or maybe try that. And, like, you obviously didn't have a whole lot of confidence in what you were saying because who knows? Like, there could be a million reasons why I was playing crappy. Um, but if you had the data and you get them on there, you're like, Hey, this was you when you won the masters and this is you today. It's actually not that far off. We just need to do a little of this and it puts him in a better mood. You're a little bit more confident about what you're saying. So I think that's what the technology is great. Well, and, for. and I think um, like if we're using that example, the big thing was, is like, I, I felt fairly confident what some of the differences are. Right. And, yeah. and were, um, but the other thing to me is like, but when a player starts that spiral, like yeah. it's really hard to sh- prove to them that they're not as far off as they think. Cause I think totally. every player, when they have two days of bad, you know, they don't practice well, isn't hitting it good. Like they think they're miles far away they from, from playing good. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and with good players, that could be 3% too much into your trail side, mm-hmm. like, or 3% too much into your lead side or, or whatever, or like, you know, a little too much Five lateral meters, shift. Not enough or torque. Or, yeah, totally. It can be very small things. And I think having the technology helps you, yeah, convey that to them. Like, look at this. This is, like, really close to what it was when you almost won the Masters. We just got to do a little of this, and we'll be good. And I think that just gives the whole team more confidence in what's going on. Um, yeah, and it can be, uh, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I, 
obviously this game is a massively about confidence. Um, oh. and that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what I, uh, what I impress on some of the college teams that I play with. Cause you know, college guys, you know, the conference finals is, is pretty much their whole year, right? If you right. play, you can play well the whole year and if you play shitty conference, you're no good to anyone. So, um, we try to measure it as often as we can when it's going good. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, some of the top college teams recently have just purchased swing catalysts. So like Florida, who won the men's has right. swing catalyst, Wake Forest, who won the women's has swing catalyst, Oklahoma state has it, you know, so we got a lot of the top programs using it. So there, there's something to that. Um, cause swing catalyst doesn't just have to be about teaching. I've heard a few college coaches say, I don't need that. Like they all have their own swing coaches. I don't want to teach them. And I was like, well, Oregon just bought it. I was at Casey Martin's place working with him and he's really bought into it. Um, cause it, it is just archiving very simply, um, you know, cause back in the day, biomechanics was putting all those little dots all over yeah. you and you, you feel like a robot and you can't really swing normal. And, but with swing house, you just hop on the plate, you hit a few and we get some really good data that can, that can help you quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I think that's why, you know, it doesn't have to be about teaching. It can just be about archiving it when it's good. And then figuring out what's different when it goes off the rails, because it, it will. <laughs> it's a hard well, game. And, and I've said for years, like with all the things I've, you know, we've done at the PGA show, like I think one of the biggest the advantages of Swing Catalyst, I mean, is like just the way every player is in their own folder and it's all like, you know what I'm saying? Like where it's yeah. archived that way, because you're not yeah. like with older systems where you'd have to go scan across like all the top row to find different yeah. things or whatever. And, uh, you know, and you have the launch monitor data right yeah. in the same file as it. And, um, I'm probably not supposed to tell you this, but our, we're going to have a markerless motion capture system in our software soon. So it'll be able to see like it's working. So it should be uh, in the software in the next who knows how long. But um, so you'll have kind of like sports doc box type data in there yeah. as well. So it's going to be a, a, a whole solution for, for every, you know, you're going to have the kinematics, the movement data, you're going to have the force plate data all in the same uh, space with the, with the launch monitor. So uh, if you can't find what's wrong with all that, then, uh, I don't know, it probably is not findable. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. But I, and I'm, and we've talked about that and, and you and I talked about different, uh, you know, obviously different systems and I've been waiting for the swing catalyst one to come out. I mean, I think, I also think if everything's integrated into one, it's way better to have it all in one place, I, you know, from a totally, teaching yeah. and from a practicing. And I go back what you were saying too, about colleges. Like I think that uh, I'm finding more and more just even recreational players. There's so much more education out there. People know about what the traces are supposed to look like or what they think totally. they're supposed to be. And, and those types of things, or, you know, like I just or what think the forces you, are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, we kind of took that model from TrackMan, right? Because right. when I first started for, for Swing Catalyst, TrackMan University was big and everybody was talking about past and angle of attacks and swing directions and low points. And they, they made that kind of common knowledge that, you know, the average guy that goes on YouTube and watches teachers starts to learn about it. And, you know, my goal with the Swing Catalyst education was to make vertical force and torque and horizontal force and pressure shifts and all that kind of stuff be kind of in the vernacular of people that are you know, they're just golfers. Mm -hmm. Um, and over the pandemic, we had a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, guys buy swing catalysts for their basements or garages or whatever, you know? So our, our, our customer base has expanded quite a bit beyond the golf teacher and, you know, the golf course. Um, and so we got to make that information relevant to them. So, um, we've been working on a few things to, to try to make the information a lot more relevant to, 
to the guy in his basement or, or in his, uh, you know, in his garage or whatever. And, and we do have a lot of people that message us saying, Hey, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Is there anybody with swing catalyst near here? Um, and I know a lot of our users that have plates in, you know, places like that get a lot of business from that because people want to see what their ground forces look like. And, and, you know, we send them off to them. So, um, yeah, it's been good. It's been, uh, it's been a, a good learning experience. And, you know, every time, I get somebody on the plate, I learn something new. Um, it's a constant battle kind of learning. And every time I work together with you guys, you know, we learn something new and getting together with, you know, really good strength coaches or people that work in the physical training space like Colby or Ben Shearer or those guys. Because mm-hmm. um, that all applies as well. You know, if, if we see something on the plate that's, that we can't fix within a lesson, it might be a send them off to their strength coach and work on well, that, X, Y, or Z. You know, day. that was I, what you were one of the first people that pointed out uh, with a double peak in the verticals coming down, yeah. right? And you were yeah. like, hey, I forget, this was several years back, but you're like, hey, man, like this this is a Colby deal, right? Yeah. Like there's something wrong, right? And sure enough, I mean, you know, we bring Colby in and, and, and he's like, yeah. oh, well, this guy, you know, this guy has, you know, his hip rotate, you know, he was very limited. And his back hurt. And right. they're like, okay, cool, work on that thing. And yeah, and then they get that hip mobility back, the double peak goes away, and then, and, and their back starts feeling better. And, yeah, all those things are because we have seen a lot of patterns on the force plates that we think could relate to injuries as well. So, um, yeah, these are all things. And I, that's what I love about the dew sweepers, right? We've got, we got Greg there. If we think it's not our deal, it's the, it's the head deal. Yeah, well, <laughs> right? They all need They need all need Greg. Jeez. Hell, the exactly. worst part is Greg, Greg makes a living just off of the teachers <laughs> helping us. Right. After the rounds, going for a beer. And yeah, no, I agree. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, I remember that one camp where all of us were kind of stumped. I mm-hmm. forget who it was. William won, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Yeah. He yeah. Golf now. And then Jackson's like, hang on one second. He ran, went up and like fixed his grip and then all this stuff just snapped into place. And we're like, wow, that's uh, another about the deuce weavers. It's just the team effort, right? Everybody's just there trying to get people better and, uh, and have a blast doing it. Real quick. Last one before I go, do I need to get the dual plates? I love them. I feel handicapped without them now. Um, so yeah, they're, um, and I'm, we're getting to it. Like uh, over Christmas, I'm going to start filming some education on them because there really isn't any, any education out there of why do you, why you need the dual place or what to use them for. Um, so yeah, they're, uh, I do like because I forget where I was recently where they only had the single place and I kind of I was like oh I wish I could look at mm-hmm. you know X number that that uh, that I now have on the duels so um, yeah I mean it's I feel like it would be like using a flight scope you know Mevo or whatever like you only have clubhead speed and whatever face angle like you don't have path you don't have swing direction you don't have low point like um, yeah, yeah, I feel a little handicapped without them. So, we're um, gonna, we're and gonna have to do it. We then. rarely sell a single plate anymore. I, I was talking to our guys in Norway, and uh, the dual plates are outselling the single plates by a large margin now. So, that's amazing. Um, for the cost difference, um, yeah, it, it's, and I don't think it'll ever get better. Like, you can't, there's, there's nothing else we can do, right? The dual plates is, right. is as good as we can do on the ground side. Now it becomes integrating the motion with the ground stuff. Um, to create like a little mini biomechanics lab, which I think, um, you know, if you had the motion of the, like a 3d avatar of the person, so you could see the sway of the pelvis and the lift of the thorax and the rotation of all that kind of, all those numbers you get off, you know, off a, off a gear system or off a K vest or whatever, along with the forces in the ground. Um, and we're close. Um, and I think that's going to be when we really start to learn some stuff and really start to learn how to help people. And, And my goal is to take that, all that information and make it as simple as possible. So, 
you know, we can put it in mobile there and have, uh, have all your guys using it and, uh, and making people better because it, it is such valuable information. Awesome. Scott, thanks for, uh, taking some time on your Sunday afternoon, watching the NFL. <laughs> And look, hey, I look forward to really looking forward to us having some time together in January, not only helping some folks, but bouncing some stuff off of you. And uh, uh, perfect. We'll we'll have a good time. I appreciate you sitting in. And Luke, uh, Luke's starting to crawl and stand up. So I'm sure he'll be at a do sleeper camp in no time. (laughs) We're going to save him a spot. I'll fix his his pivot. I'll let you handle the verticals. (laughs) Perfect. Let's do it. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Take care, man. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and The Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.